Welcome to the Born to Write podcast, dedicated to writers, authors, and the art of storytelling. Go behind the scenes where writers reveal their ups and downs and how they finally shared their stories with the world. Now, here is your host, Azul Tarones. Today's guest is Sean Cano. He's a YouTuber, in fact, a best-selling author who talks about lifestyle entrepreneurship. He's built a six-figure business that gives him the freedom to travel the world, do what he wants, when he wants, and has well over one and a half million followers on his various YouTube channels. Today, we talk about his book, YouTube Secrets, not just about his humble beginnings, but also about how he wrote the book, worked with a co-writer, and how he got it out there in the world and publicized it. I think you're really going to learn about YouTube and how you can use it to help grow your audience, your reach, and your influence. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Born to Write. Today, we're here with Sean Cannell. And John Cano, I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much. Who's the author of YouTube Secrets, the ultimate guide to grow your following and make money as a video influencer. Welcome to the show, Shan. Azul, so pumped to be on the show and just uh, just honored. Yeah, it's great. You know what's interesting about living in social media or at least being around it? You get to connect with people that somehow were connected by some six degrees of separation. And you know, one of the things you mentioned before we started the show is that you knew Dana Malstaff or you met her at Social Media Marketing World. And that's really great. That's one of the things I love about being a podcaster is I get to meet people that somehow indirectly we know each other. So that's always awesome. I totally agree. I mean, I think the, I mean, it's safe to say the internet has changed the world, but I know firsthand it's changed my life probably much like it has yours, especially pertaining to connections and relationships, which is everything. I mean, that's, that's what business is about. It's what life's about. It's what family's about is is relationships, right? And our world can get so much bigger. When I think about some of the business partnerships, some of my best friends and some of the connections that have happened, it's like the internet is where they happened. And it's pretty amazing the opportunity that that provides as well as social media. Right. And I I first wasn't sure if people would be real in life as they were when I met them because we have intimate conversations here with microphones. But then I've connected with people that I met online. I was like, wow, you are. Thank goodness you showed up to be real and authentic so that when we connected, I didn't have to learn that you were a different person. So that's always, that, that's been a, a really great benefit. And maybe that's because of the people behind, you know, social media, because not everyone is like that, I'm sure. But I'm really grateful that you, you know, take the time to talk with us about your, your book and your process. So I wanted to start out right in the very beginning. So you wrote this book with Benji. You co-wrote a book here. What made you think, you know what? This is a book we should put out in the world about YouTube secrets because you could easily do this content on YouTube. Why a book? Yeah. So interestingly enough, and there is a whole story that goes into this. I think the thing about a book is the depth of transformation. You know, we just mentioned social media and and the power that it has to make connections, but it also has a lot of weaknesses. And I think one of those weaknesses is we're becoming kind of a headline reading culture to where we're just, you know, 220 characters on Twitter, just, you know, scrolling through our feeds at rapid pace. And I think that social media offers a lot of learning opportunities to watch a three-minute YouTube video, to read a Medium article, to watch a little micro piece of content on Instagram. And so that's where we as teachers of how to build your influence and your income with video have pumped out a lot of content. But I was so passionate about doing a book with the co-founder of Video Influencers, Benji Travis, because there's something about turning off the computer. There's something about stepping away you know, from our devices and going deeper. And I think that's one of the things the book allows for is it's not just a headline. It's not just a tweet. You can actually kind of get super saturated with strategy, with kind of renewal of your thinking, with a fresh perspective, and maybe away from other distractions. And so for us, we thought, you know, it would be great to 
not only do that. And then there's kind of the traditional things that I'm sure your audience would think about that we just kind of know, right? It certainly does kind of position you as another level of credibility as a thought leader and an expert. It opens doors for, of course, speaking and training and consulting and other things like that. And then the final thing that happened was I was actually on a flight from Las Vegas, where I live, to Seattle, where my business partner, Benji Travis, lives. And we've worked together. Both of us have over a decade of experience in video each. And so combined over 20 years, and whether that's on YouTube or doing freelance projects for people or production, all kinds of different parts of the industry, including social media. And I was on a plane on the way up to actually work on a project with Benji. And I listened to a podcast with Lewis Howes and Tucker Max talking about, at the time, a company called Book in a Box. Now it's called Scribe. And what triggered in me is I was already thinking about the power of a book. But then I thought, you know, well, how could we write it? Benji and I are collaborating. We're not going to sit down together and each try to type out and then combine it and whose voice is when. And especially we're not really writers. So when I began to hear about Book in a Box, I was like, oh, this actually could be something um, that we could jump into together and we could split it. You know, we could see it like would he, I would present this to him. Are you, you what do you think about doing this? So I got off the plane. I heard about Book in a Box. You know, I, of course, I trusted Lewis Howes and was excited about the project. And I started telling Benji, I was like, hey, you've done YouTube with your wife and you. you you've been kind of YouTube celebrities, like you've sort of built up that social media influencer and you have a lot of friends. So you've learned a lot of wisdom in that space. But also, Benji, you've done a real estate channel where even though it never grew large, he went from selling less than 10 homes a year during the recession and just having his finances just crushed to doing over 100 homes a year from creating a simple YouTube channel with some really strategic content. And then myself, I had been doing more video production and more like video SEO and behind the scenes, I'd work with many different authors, speakers and influencers, like helping them optimize their YouTube channels and you know create content. So I was like, we have all this experience. What if we combined it and put it into a book? Right. That sounds like a, a really great collaboration. Obviously, you both have different industries, different strategies that you've used. But I was really impressed with the way that you wove it together, taking two voices, two ideas and trying to make it a consistent book. And yeah, a lot of it is you had a probably wonderful scribe over there with Scribe Media. What was the process like? So did they sit you guys down? Did you outline? Did they interview you? Tell us how it, how it went because you have so much knowledge. This is the biggest challenge for people who have uh, great content knowledge is how do you pare it down so that it fits in a book? Because you probably could have talked about a million things. Yeah. So for us, you know, the funny first part of that was we actually agreed to Benji's like, I think I'm into it. Let's do it. So we actually went to Book in a Box, Scribe Media, signed up, paid the half down, began the process, pulled a camera out and actually shot a video and said, hey, we can't wait. New book coming out in 2016 because we started this process in 2015. But now, you know, we're recording this right now at the end of 2018. So the book literally didn't really come out until four years later. And that wasn't right. because of them. That was because of us. And that was kind of part of our process. You know, for us, there was two pieces. One, we wanted it to be right and not rushed. And two, once we began the process, I have some background in the book world with a few other you know, people I've worked with, I've done some marketing for. I really started to think, yes, we've done some different things, but we have not built a platform or an audience specific to this. So before even talking about the process of the book, we actually put it on hold and said, let's build something from scratch. 
we were able to kind of, you know, use our current audiences to kind of launch it. But nevertheless, we started a YouTube channel called Video Influencers. Zero subscribers didn't exist. That actually came after the book. And because of the book, we thought, what if, and even though our strategies have worked before, let's actually see if they can work today. And if, if they are repeatable, if they're actually not just a, you know, an outlier event or just some random thing. And so we started that channel and then the book did not come out until we'd posted over 350 videos, invested over a hundred thousand dollars into like conferences and coaching and learning and interviewing. We interviewed over a hundred video influencers. And so the book became much stronger during that whole process. So in a way, our process was like total immersion, even though I would arguably say we were at a position of expertise, no doubt about it back when we started it, like just a hundred X how much we learned, how good the content was, how much depth there was. And it was honestly pre-preparation too. We set a target. We said, we're going to start a YouTube channel, but our goal is to actually get 25,000 people on an email list that have opted in and care about learning YouTube that care about. And so that when the book comes out, there's actually, you know, people that would be interested in it. And that's kind of like platform 101, good book by Michael Hyatt called platform. It's a few years old now. So that was kind of like the one side of pumping out content and like building a platform and, and launching video influencers. And it was so organic. I mean, there's no way we could have known what it would have led to today. The book actually was just mentioned in Forbes. Video influencers has been mentioned in Forbes as one of the top 20 channels that'll grow your business. So it, it just led to like a million other things. And I think that's the power of stepping out and taking action. We didn't have clarity of what it would lead to. But as far as the process goes, you know, before we even started with Scribe, and this isn't required, but we actually started on a cork board and a whiteboard. And we started with outlining and kind of organizing our content. And one of the things I've learned from some of my mentors is the power of frameworks, that some of the greatest you know, books, the greatest, most sticky, if you will, business concepts, management books or leadership have created frameworks. And sometimes that's even in a diagram or whatever it is, you know, the seven habits of highly effective people. So what we wanted to do is I thought, okay, what is the essential ingredients of YouTube? And what are like the things that not everybody needs to necessarily do them, but what are the absolute pillars? And then try to break that framework. So really work on it. So what we did was we were also after some, you call it alliteration. We have the seven C's of YouTube success. They're all C's. As we started yeah. putting them up on the board, and now there's actually a circle. So when we do our seminars and we do different talking, we can throw up a slide and, and it's, it's an ongoing cohesive process where we walk people through the seven C's of YouTube success. That took some time just sitting there thinking about it. And let me give you an example too of, of breaking the framework to what is essential and what isn't. One of the big things on YouTube, they say, is collaborations. Collaborations, and that's a C, is one of the big ways to grow. And while that's true, it's not actually required for growth. So we didn't include it in the seven C's because it wasn't, we wanted like, these are the seven things that like you do these consistently. And that's the first part of the book. And then in the second part, then we thought, okay, we'll put things in the second part that are like gasoline to the fire you'll build when you focus on the fundamentals. So collaborations is actually in part two, as well as some like social media strategies and some more current stuff. But we also wanted that first part to be timeless, which is nearly impossible with, you know, social media content because it's always changing. But the seven C's of YouTube success, things like courage, stepping out and clarity, starting with the end in mind, setting up a channel. You can't, you have to have a channel, posting content. You have to have content. 
Community, it's essential. YouTube's a two-way conversation, not one. Cash, if you're gonna do this full-time, the promise on the cover, how to make money as a video influencer, you gotta make some cash. And then consistency, how do you create smart systems to stay consistent? So there was you know, maybe five or six other things that we thought, do they fit in there? Is it seven things? Is it eight? And so we really went through kind of an intense process of you know, thinking, really thinking through our content. Right, and it was really easy to digest. It was perfect for me, someone who doesn't really know much about YouTube besides being a consumer. So seeing it from a different lens, it was just enough for me to go, I think I could do this. Not like, where do I start? Because the other great piece about having a book about YouTube is that what you said earlier, I could get away from YouTube and read this book. And when I read it, I was like, I could now go there and understand a little bit more about why there's success and why there isn't. And obviously, you did something pretty unique and pretty special. And we'll talk about specifically what you think authors could do is that you built an audience for this book before you launched it, which is to me genius. And of course, important. That's what all the great writers do is they build a platform, they build an audience. But and also for the, for the user, I felt really confident that I could use this as a tool now going back to YouTube rather than going down the rabbit hole of every single person who thinks they know about YouTube. Not that they, there aren't plenty of great experts. But if you if you do that, then you end up, everyone that shares something may not have the same belief about what you need to do next. So thank you for that. That was really helpful. Absolutely. And I appreciate that feedback. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about this idea that you were going to create the idea of having a, you know these video influencers, the community that you built before you launched the book. What about somebody who's got a book, they got an idea, and they think maybe a YouTube channel might be the way they want to go, and their book is in process, or they're, they're, they're working on it. What would be something they could do? How would they think about this as far as like celebrating or using some of the things in the seven C's to get momentum for a book launch, for example? Yeah, there's so many things you could do. But specifically, obviously, we wrote the book on YouTube. But why somebody in any niche, right? I mean, vertical gardening, psychology, cryptocurrency, it doesn't matter. I think that YouTube now has over 2 billion monthly active users with Gmail accounts. So that's actually logged in. Many more viewers that don't even have accounts. It is the dominant video platform. It is the absolute best video platform as far as its distribution on mobile, the technology infrastructure they've built, smart TVs, tablets. And so at the end of the day, too, though, it's not about YouTube. I mean, it's not about any social media platform. It's not even about the Internet or anything. It's these are that's just a channel. It's not even about a book. You know, book is just I mean, a book is the transfer of information between two different people. And so, you know, it's not that I want a pile of paper with ink on it. It's that I want that connection with someone else's mind and strategy and thinking or entertainment or whatever it is. So all that to say is that's the same is true for YouTube. And what I actually would encourage, there's certainly a level of bandwidth you'd want to delegate to this. But I think I would encourage people to consider actually starting a weekly show on YouTube. I mean, we could talk about tactics and doing like a couple of videos and like uploading a book trailer. But where I think preeminence in culture as things get more competitive, I think you have to be posting consistent content just to be relevant. Now, that might be a blog for you. It could be your podcast, but it could be video. And if it is video, it could be Facebook Watch. It could be posting video content on Instagram. But I think there is a major case for considering YouTube as a place to do that. One of those reasons, in my opinion is that it's the second largest search engine in the world. Therefore, it offers more discoverability opportunities than many of the other platforms who are kind of more social and sharing based. So if, if you go viral and you get out there, that works. But what's cool about 
YouTube is that you can create strategic content that actually attracts your ideal audience because of using search thinking. What are your target audience? What keywords or what phrases are they searching for? And creating a consistent show. That's essentially what we did. We committed. We didn't know how long it was necessarily going to take, but we just started posting consistent content. For us, we actually wanted to post two videos a week, one interview with somebody who's doing video in some way and probably about 80% YouTube and we cover a few of the other platforms. And then ourselves, we shared a few tips a week. So we wanted to have a tips video of Benji and I and then an interview video. And we did that, you know, for three and a half years as consistent as possible. Some weeks, you know, we missed some weeks. There was only one upload, but it built trust. It built momentum if we summarize this process, it's the age-old sequence that business has always operated in, and that is the fact that we do business with people we know, people we like, and then ultimately people we trust. And most authors' problems is, is maybe all three, but it's that first one. Well, does anybody know you yet? Well, that's why you want to be posting content. You're putting out free, valuable content so you can get awareness, so people could see you're good for it, so they can get some value. And then there's an opportunity to get them to like you, develop some sort of an affinity. And then there's, you know, you're probably not, you're never going to buy a book from somebody you don't know. And you probably wouldn't buy a book from somebody you don't like. But then eventually they trust you and they're like, wow, man, you've added value to me here. Or if that was that, if that was good, then I'd love to see, you know, of course I'd support the book because I've been watching you for the last few months. And sometimes that process takes weeks or months or even years. You develop goodwill with people, you develop whatever it is. So all that to say, I think that authors should be thinking about where are you posting consistent content? We decided to do that every week. It's like, and by show, you know, the show doesn't have to be fancy. The show could just be you sitting in front of your smartphone on a little tripod in front of a window and just sharing, you know, some information or or taking people on a walk through the park and just holding up your phone, but just showing up on a regular basis. We also wanted to commit to not only building an email list by giving away something that was free at the end of all those videos. So we gave away like a YouTube checklist that would help people with YouTube. And then every week, all we would do is also send out a newsletter that was just like, hey, here's the free valuable content this week. So people are, they're hearing from us regularly. They're hearing from us 52 weeks a year for three years, you know, and they're getting that value and slow and steady wins. Well, Sean, that sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, I mean, ultimately. <laughs> it is. But uh, we also, I mean, it, we've had some big results and, and arguably, I think this is probably the number one book on the planet on YouTube now, and that even by the numbers and everything else. And that I think is correlated to kind of the strategy as well as the consistency and the execution that has gone into the whole project. That's great. I'm glad you're sharing it the way you are. And I want people to be inspired. Don't be afraid. But if you think you're going to write a book and you think you're a great writer, and I'm not doubting that people are, I think plenty of people are good writers. I think what they have to understand is people don't buy books because they're well-written. Otherwise, we'd buy textbooks. Those are really well-written. They're just informative, but not interesting. We buy books, like you said, because we trust and, and care and believe in people. And they th we think they're the ones that help us with our dilemma, our problem, or our inspiration that we need. And if you can build a platform, any platform, like you said, I really appreciate the consistency, showing up, sharing your message, being uniquely you, because there's plenty of people teaching about YouTube. That's not like you were the only one. And obviously, what you do is unique. You stand out for yourself. In fact, you you make sure your your faith's really clear to people. You're not trying to to be someone you're not. You want people to know about you in social. You you share and you show up consistently. And so people like and trust you. And your book is really the, an extension of that. It's the conversation starter for some. Some people found you from Amazon. Some people found you from social. But they all return 
to your channel to see if you have something they can resonate with. So if you're an author and you're thinking about something, one, don't just think you can put your book out there and people, because it's good, that they're going to find it. There's millions of books on Amazon and you're just one of them. So, you know, build a community is really the message that sounds like, Sean, you're sharing here. Yeah. And Azul, I love this quote I heard once and it was, content is king. And I think for writers, that's important to know, like you could have the best book in the world, like your content is king, like it's really, really, really great content, but marketing is queen and she runs the household. Right. So that's why sometimes today, I think, I think people think like if the content is good, it will just take on a life of its own. But I really believe, especially as we go into 2019, 2020, that, and I'm, I'm empathetic. I understand that again, it's like, you're a writer, you're an author. You don't want to be a marketer. You also don't want to be a salesman. You don't, you don't want to be in those things. And, and I think that modern marketing isn't that kind of old school sales having to be a certain way. I feel like modern marketing is again, it's, it's adding value. It's building relationships. It's not even really selling it's serving, but there is something about having strategy. And, and I think it, You know, if it's not, if you're not going to do it, who is? And of course you can partner and team up with people, but I think it is important that authors take on the responsibility, if you will, to be their own PR agent. You know, that's one thing they say, even if you get a lot of times a a publishing deal is that unless you're just in the A-list of the A-list, you are going to probably have to take the marketing into your own hands. And even if you partner with somebody else, you still probably need to do a lot of the heavy lifting on the marketing. So studying that, thinking through some of those things and putting in the energy and efforts And if anything, frame it this way. Think of your marketing as serving your content, meaning you've got a message you want to share with the world. You've got something you want people to hear. And you wish that people would just realize that and be as passionate as about you. But now your next job is now that that's created is to like find a way to position it, to communicate it in a way that's clear and compelling, potentially provocative, that creates curiosity everything, you know, you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but people do. So like that, all that kind of stuff matters, right? Just so that you can actually get people to those gold nuggets or to that inspiration or information contained inside of your book. Right. I always tell people, your book is just the conversation you want to continue having. And if you're not so committed to this conversation that you want to keep talking about it, whether it be on YouTube, a blog, a podcast, from the stage, in the grocery line even, like if you're not committed to this conversation, then it's probably not the book you should write because that's what it's going to take for this book to grow. If the conversation starts here and ends here, then your book won't be a success. So if you're listening and you're an author, you're wondering what you can do, just know that you've got to be committed to this conversation and reaching out to people. One of the great things I love about your book is that you gave so many great examples. And one of them was this woman named Heather Torres. Tell me about some of the people that you've helped who started from zero, because a lot of these authors might be people that are starting from zero, and saw them apply your principles or apply the principles that you seem to support and grow something, even with a small audience, into something they could be having an income grow monetarily as well, because that's also another goal of authors. They would love to keep writing, but they kept their day job if they just don't find the time to write or they feel like it's an overwhelming pressure. But what's some examples of those people that you've served or helped or know of that could inspire authors? Yeah, I've got a couple examples. We'll end on Heather. A couple quick ones, though. One good one is Jennifer. She runs a channel called The Sewing Report. She worked at CNN for 10 years, and one of her side passions was sewing. And so she started a channel from scratch, and you started watching our content and even investing in some of our advanced training. 
And now her channel is over 12,000 subscribers. And all she does is, you know, sits down and shares tips on sewing or reviews the, you know, budget sewing machine versus a more expensive one, whatever it is. And she's made, in fact, recently she quit her job to do this full time. Her husband also works. But as far as her income, she's been replacing that how with affiliate marketing. And we could talk about some of these things later. Brand deals, sewing companies are sending her, you know, free stuff. And it's one of her hobbies. It's one of her passions. And she's really, you know, turning her passion into profit. It's really cool. It's sort of the power of YouTube. Heather, though, you mentioned, I think is a great example because we first met, actually, she moved to Vegas. And now, years later, she's on my team, Think Media is what my brand is called here. But she was terrified to get on video. And I bet there's some people listening that are like, well, yeah, it sounds great. But and I'm going to have that deer in the headlights look. I'm going to be afraid to get on video. And what she did was she actually started to kind of learn about some of the video best practices, watching some of our content. We actually first met and, and realized we had a similar background. So we got coffee together. And now years later, our relationship's grown into kind of a business relationship. But one of the things she said was early on, she kind of wanted to like intern for our company in a way because she's like, I need to learn video. And one of the practices that we figured out for her was actually not starting with YouTube, but was starting with like Snapchat or today it might be Instagram. And there's a feature called stories. And when you just grab your phone and you go to that stories feature on one of those social media apps. And if anybody listening hasn't downloaded the app, follow me, download it right now. And you could do this. And here's the cool thing. What Heather wanted to do is she said, okay, I'm going to commit to create content every single day, which you can do in real time from your phone. And she knew she's a homeschool mom of two. She's passionate about homeschool. And she knew she had a passion to help other homeschool moms. So she said, okay, every day I'm going to share some value and I'm going to tell a story. What's a story? Well, simplified. It has a beginning, middle, and end. So that's why they call it Instagram stories, Snapchat stories. So she committed to doing at least three a day. And on Snapchat, they're 10 seconds. On IG stories, it's 15 seconds. So what she would do is she'd just grab her phone. She'd push and hold the button. Hey, Heather here, and today I'm going to share the three things I wish I knew when I started out as a homeschool mom. Let the video end. And by the way, she would shoot that and then like let it play back before posting it and be like, oh, I hate that one. She might have shot it 44 times that first day, you know, like, and she's <laughs> like, I hate my voice. I don't like how I sound. But, you know, the one done and she'd post it and then she'd go, all right, tip number one. She'd share that. And then at the end, she'd say, all right, thank you so much. I'll be back tomorrow for another quick tip on homeschool. In the meantime, take care. And here's the thing. She actually had no desire that anybody would follow her. In fact, her hopes were that nobody was on the other side. But of course, there was a few people and it began to grow over time, which is cool because it kind of builds momentum. I think there's something powerful about not just practicing, but practicing in public, you know, stretching yourself, putting yourself out there. And Azul, she committed to this for three months. I was actually, I think almost six months. And again, that first couple of days, oh man, she hates her own voice. She thinks she's the worst in the world. You know, all this self-doubt <laughs> yeah. and all this stuff that we all go through. But then after a couple of weeks, she's almost like, man, I'm in a rhythm. And then after a couple of months, she's like, okay, I kind of am feeling this. And she's getting used to being on camera. But again, making it kind of simple. Like she's just getting on her phone, just sharing. It's much easier to share 15 seconds or three 15 second clips on Instagram stories than it is to potentially create a YouTube video, especially when you're just starting. And so then fast forward about six months, she finally shot her first video. She also did it with 
kind of the early framework of YouTube Secrets. Now it's all in the book, but at the time is when we were working on it, refining it, testing it with people like Jennifer, with people like Heather. And so she had a strategy and she also had been working on her confidence and working on her courage. So then she posted her first video and it actually was kind of a quote unquote smash hit in her niche, which is homeschool. So it's not a major niche. There's not millions of subscribers to homeschool channels, but it serves a particular group of people, in particular homeschool moms. And now, fast forward, she started from complete zero. Her channel is like over 12,000 subscribers right now. I believe her videos have been viewed over 4,000 times. 400,000. 400,000 video views, 12,000 subscribers. And what's cool is every once in a while, one of her videos will relate to like affiliate marketing, which is, for example, Amazon Associates. If anybody shops on Amazon, we usually all do. What does Amazon sell? Pretty much everything. So whether she recommends organization for their homeschool closet where they organize the papers and the pens and whatnot. And if she gets some, you know, some Tupperware or some different things from Amazon, she can do a little tour of that and say, hey, if you want to check any of the stuff I'm talking about in this video, I'll put links in the description. Well, when someone clicks her link that Amazon gives you when you sign up, if someone makes a purchase, you get a percentage of that sale. So now every two months or so, she's getting like these, she gets it in gift cards, but she could just get them to direct deposit it or send you a check. She gets a couple hundred bucks. She's worked with a couple homeschool curriculum brands. Her and her husband Isaiah in the past would maybe pay as much as $2,000 a year to invest in the homeschool curriculum for their kids. Now they get that free because the company's like, oh, well, you'll review it or whatnot. Like you'll cover that on the channel. Sure, of course, we'll hook that up free. And how'd she do that? BizDev, just reaching out. Also though, on top of creating a niche focused YouTube channel, having influence, having people there paying attention. And one deal she did, she actually received compensation, I think 1500 bucks and an affiliate deal with that brand. What does that mean? It means that if anybody was to get that company's curriculum, she gets a percentage of the sale. I believe it was 10%. So what she's been telling me lately, and this is just a side project, you know, right? She works with Think Media full time. Her husband is, you know, homeschooling the kids and they've kind of arranging their family and they're doing the whole thing together. But now their homeschool is completely free. That's one of the things they say. Basically, our homeschool channel funds our passion, our child's education. It's helping people and we're making money and it covers all the expenses of it and more. And it's also, if you will, just starting. And she's been doing it maybe two years now. And she's not even posting a video every week, which I think is a good minimum. She maybe gets about 20 videos up a year, but she does them in a strategic way. And because YouTube's a search engine and because people can discover you over time, they can go back and watch other videos in your library. They can watch other content you've posted. And so I think Heather's a great story of kind of what's possible. And you never know what that'll lead to. It's already led to homeschool blogs wanting to feature her and collaborations you know, because why? Well, she's a thought leader. Why? Because she has 12,000 subscribers in a very, very specific niche, simply from punching fear in the face, punching perfectionism in the face and pressing record and stepping out there. But you may want to start small with just maybe simple videos on social media. That's really helpful. I think people see someone who's super successful like you, who has over 600,000 subscribers and think, well, I'll never get there. But you have to remember, everyone starts with zero followers. And I love the way you showed a simple path for someone to start 
being visible when they have been invisible. Writers get that pleasure of being invisible, at least they had in the past. But like you said, the queen needs to come out. The marketing needs to happen if you want your book to sell. Otherwise, you've done all that great work. You've shared all this great knowledge in a book, but no one will ever read it. I won't say no one, but your immediate circle will read it, but people don't know who you are. So I love this. And you talk a little bit about myths in your book, because I think a lot of people think, well, if I would have started YouTube, you know, five years ago, you know, would have been fine, but that's too late for me. You, you have some other myths. So talk about the myths that you think some people could easily use to, for a reason why they shouldn't be on YouTube, just to help spread their message. Mm. Yeah. When I think about the myths, I think there are multiple. You know, one of the myths is that YouTube is too crowded. Like it's just, it's too late or it's too crowded. And, you know, arguably that's just true about anything. And certainly there's a point in time where there's market saturation, but my best illustration for that is I grew up in Seattle. And so that's the home of Starbucks, right? And now Starbucks is spread across the world and, and they serve coffee. And the question is, though, when Starbucks launched, you know, was the coffee market just didn't have anybody else in it? You know, there's all this desire for coffee, but nobody's serving the market. Of course not. I mean, there's McDonald's and Dunkin' Donuts and Pete's Coffee, but then there's also all of your local coffee roasteries. But Starbucks came into the market and they've become a smashing success today. How? Well, because they just position themselves different. And that's, I think, the question you want to ask. How can you be different? Sally Hogshead, you know, author of Fascinate, has a quote that says, different is better than better. And mm, I think there's something good. really so powerful about finding out how to be different. And so when I think about Starbucks, you know, nowadays, they've maybe lost the spirit that they once have when they started and it was kind of a local shop. It's almost kind of corporate and it's systematized, but they really have figured out their place in the market. Like it's always the same. It's the same across state to state, wherever you go. And it's pretty expensive, but it's kind of right there in the middle of the market. I sort of see it as in the middle. You could go Dunkin' Donuts, super popular. It's going to be cheaper. It's going to be different. Or I could go to my local coffee roastery here in Vegas, Mothership Coffee, the dude behind the counter is going to have some gauged ears, tattoos, waxed mustache. It's going to be like a pour over, you know, from like <laughs> Ethiopian rare beans, you know, single right. origin. But here's the thing, whether it's Mothership, Starbucks or Dunkin Donuts, they're all selling the same coffee. Well, there's a huge market, though. A lot of people drink coffee and people have different preferences. So with over two billion monthly active logged in users on YouTube, I think you want to be encouraged that, sure, there's a level of saturation, but you just want to figure out, you just want to be yourself, be unique, be you times two, and be figure out, are you the Starbucks? Are you the mothership? You mentioned there's other people teaching YouTube advice, and most of them are my friends. I mean, we all talk. We go to the same events. It actually ends up being kind of a small world. I probably know no less than 30 different individuals that are doing the exact same thing as us. There's probably a couple hundred that I don't even know, and yet it's all a little bit different. Sometimes that difference is maybe just your age because that speaks to your point of view. Could be your ethnicity, could be your background, could be the language you speak. I mean, you might want to you know, be sharing something that other people are teaching, but you're doing it in a different language to a different market. And so I think, yeah, people can think YouTube is too crowded, but it's absolutely a myth. I think another one is I don't have enough money. Well, that's been dispelled already. All you really need is a smartphone to get started and you probably already have that. And you can use the free Wi-Fi at Starbucks to upload your video. Most smartphones can shoot HD video. You could edit it on an app on your phone. Of course, there's other workflows that are faster, but I just think that's a myth. You know, another myth is 
You got to be super talented. You do have to add value. I think that YouTube is different, and this has already been proven, than traditional media in Hollywood. You know, in some of the other industries, take sports. If you don't have the right genetics, you're just not going to make it. In Hollywood, same thing. If you don't have the right connections, maybe the right genetics, there's layers of gatekeepers. Cool thing about YouTube is that it's a complete meritocracy. It's just, it is open source. It's an open platform. Anybody can get on there. And I like to say, if you doubt that you could succeed on YouTube, all you need to find is one example of someone who looks like you, sounds like you, is from where you are, has maybe had to go through and overcome the same challenges that you're facing right now. And if you find one person that has done it, you can do it too. Doesn't mean it's gonna be easy. Doesn't mean that it might be much harder for you than somebody else. But if somebody else has done it, um, and I've learned that it's not about like, being ultra talented or ultra charismatic, but it is about a transfer of value. And if you can share that value, then you can make a massive impact. An example is John Kohler. He has a gardening channel. It's called Grow Your Greens, Growing Your Greens. And he's just obsessed with gardening. He's got the compost stuff going. He's got garden in his front and backyard. And, you know, like he definitely has a lot of passion, but again, he has no like formal acting training, no like, uh, you know, special skills. He just absolutely is obsessed with gardening, with juicing, and he actually uses a $150 refurbished Canon camera. He has a juicing business, so um, he has one of, I think, his employees just follow him around holding that camcorder, no special microphone. He doesn't edit his videos, or at least he hasn't for years, and sometimes his videos are over an hour long, and he just walks and talks, and he shows off his carrots, and he shows off whatever it is. (laughs) But he's developed this tribe of really passionate people. Those are not videos I watch. You know, I don't have the tolerance for an hour of gardening information. But now he has over 550,000 subscribers, millions of video views, because he is adding value, though. Definitely is defined value that, hey, you're going to learn how to have greener greens and a healthier garden from somebody who geeks out about it and thinks about it all day long. So I think those are just a few of the myths, and we cover more in the book. Um, YouTube secrets. But I think, yeah, really, of course, is always going to be an excuse. You know, there's always going to be a reason not to. I think we want to find the reason why. And we're living through such an epic era of opportunity right now when it comes. I mean, YouTube's free. That's something to think about, too, that we have global distribution to over 2 billion active users on a platform that doesn't charge us money to upload unlimited HD content, 4K content that gives us this incredible suite of tools. All we have to do is push through the learning curve, step out there, you know what I mean? And and define a way to add value and figure out how to be different. And absolutely, I don't care if it's 2019 or 2020, there is massive opportunity to stake your claim, plant your flag, and build your influence on YouTube. That's great. Let's finish up with one example. I want to help people understand, and maybe you can help me, which will be really great for the listeners. So I did something different for my book that I'm working on currently. I thought... Uh, I first pitched the idea to another author. He liked it. And then I started writing it and I got a proposal worked together and I shared it with one of my coaches. And he said, you know, honestly, it's not that interesting, but this one section is. So I've been working on that particular section and I decided what I got invited to do a TED talk because of my book. It's another thing a book can do for you is build influence and opportunity. So I did a TED talk, which is great. And the thing that really resonated with the people was the way I reframed the talk. That talk has over a million views, which is pretty large for TEDx 
TEDx views probably get a few thousand if they're lucky. So basically validating the idea for my book with a TED talk that on its own went viral without, you know, I'm not really familiar with the marketing strategies that probably could use, but I learned a great deal about engagement. So I always respond to every comment. I always go and review and make sure I'm engaging with the channel or at least my particular talk. How would you leverage that? Knowing that I already have people paying attention, I have a book that I'm working on. So what would be the first step you give someone, an author like me, who's now thinking maybe YouTube is a place where I could show up because obviously people are paying attention to this topic? Yeah. I mean, without telling me what rights you have to it, I'll just give you a few ideas. I mean, if I could repurpose that content, I would take my TED Talk and potentially you know, number one, even from a fair use standpoint, and I believe it might be your content and I've seen people repurpose, you know, content, but from a fair use standpoint, you could even sit down, get on camera and maybe mention a point of it or, or start a video with a portion of it on your own channel. So what I would want is a way to bridge from that upload on the TEDx to your YouTube channel. That's number one. And then keep the conversation going on your YouTube channel. Just like you said, a book keeps the conversation going have people joining you on your channel. Now, if you're replying to all those YouTube comments, that means you already have a YouTube channel. So so that's happening. So people can click through, they can come through and discover you. Secondly, just from a marketing standpoint, I think being on that stage, having that video asset, I would think about cutting out clips of it and using that actually on other social media. We're talking about YouTube secrets, but I'm passionate about video across the board. So I would be doing maybe snippets of the talk on you know Facebook, natively uploading that. LinkedIn video, which is a major video trend right now. It's only been out for about a year. Nobody knows about it. Super hot, something to pay attention to. Um, Uploading even little snippets on Twitter that builds your authority as well as kind of extends it further. And then, you know, Twitter allows you to upload video, for example. So you could have, you know, kind of like a headline, like that first opening text about the one minute that they're watching in that native upload. And you could also include a YouTube link um, that may be links to say, finish it over here or watch the rest here again, driving traffic to your YouTube channel. Is this what kind of what you were thinking? That is just a few thoughts I would do particularly off of that asset that you have. And congratulations, by the way, on a million views and how well that is done. But I think there's some things I would do just around that actual piece of content. That's great. That's really helpful. That's helpful for me because, you know, again, I was like, Hmm, YouTube, obviously there's this is a conversation that's really powerful. So that's really helpful. So let's make sure people can connect with you. It's been really amazing that you've taken the time to share with the audience for Born to Write. If you haven't already purchased or not convinced you should go buy YouTube Secrets, please do the ultimate guide to grow your following and make money as a video influencer. Where else should they go find you? Obviously, your YouTube channels would be a great place. And how would they get to know you better? Yes. And so on YouTube, you can type in think media, two words that takes you to my main channel, which the promise is the best tips and tools for building your influence with online video, helping you find a few accessories, lighting, you know, what camera to use, or just a little clip in $10 microphone for your smartphone. So your audio is a little bit better. Cover that on think media. Definitely check out video influencers. That's E R S at the end video influencers weekly interview show with people that are dominating YouTube, whether entrepreneurs, thought leaders, YouTubers themselves, you kind of get the best of all worlds of anyone is really killing in video. We share those tips there and bring those interviews on that channel. And then seancannell.com. That's my website, S-E-A-N, 
My last name is Cannell, C-A-N-N-E-L-L.com. SeanCannell.com is a great place to start a conversation with me. Um, and then Twitter. I'm actually super active on Twitter. It's one of my favorite platforms for just, again, conversations, connecting. And so if anybody has any questions, I would absolutely love to connect and get to know them better as well. Sean, thank you so much. It's been really helpful at Lightning. If you haven't thought about using YouTube or using your videos to grow your platforms, just take a look at YouTube Secrets. It's the number one book in all three categories that Amazon uses. And one even special tip you should use is I would go, Sean, since you have control over your content, and ask Amazon through Author Central to add more categories because you'll definitely rank for more than just three. Most people don't know that you are allowed to be in more than three categories. So if you haven't already, ask them to add up to a total of 10 categories. Why not rank number one in all of them? Ooh, I'm writing this tip down. Thank you so much. Yeah. you ha- What you do is you go into Author Central, which manages your sort of your profile. And under the help category, you click help. And they're going to ask you, you know, how would you like to be contacted? Don't say email, say phone, because someone will call you, I believe, within the hour. They have a really strict policy for taking care of authors. They call you. And then what they do is they will, you tell them, I want to be in these categories. So make sure you know what categories you want, and they will apply them. And I think if you can get number one in more categories, the more results you'll have and the more downloads. You're already in the top, I think, 8,000, which is really difficult to do in all of Amazon Kindle books. You want to be continue to stay as close to the top as possible because once you're seated, it almost never goes away. Whew. Okay. Good tips. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me on as well. I really, really appreciate it. No, thank you. Have a great day. Join me again for another interview for great authors who talk about their story, how they got there, and why they feel like they're born to write. Please subscribe to this podcast, leave an honest review, and you can always find me at coachazul.com.